This episode is sponsored by the Mighty Mighty Iron Galaxy. We make lots of games. You might even like a few, Dave. I totally will. Talking to you. (laughs) Don't you threaten me with fun. (laughs) Follow us on Twitter at I to the G. That's I-T-O-T-H-E-G. Are you tired of your investigations of the paranormal being thwarted by the unwanted incursion of an oversized avian? Then stay tuned, because for the next 30 minutes, we'll be taking an in-depth look at a revolutionary new product that will change your life. And now, your host, Ronnie Postelway. Hi, folks. Ronnie Postelwave here. Let me ask you a question. Are you like me? Are you tired of mistaken identities when you're out in the field hunting for monsters, cryptids, and all other forms of who-knows-what's-its? Well, have I got a solution for you. Introducing the brand new 2015 Sandhill Crane Detector Kit. The Sandhill Crane Detection Kit is a lightweight, aerodynamic, unibody-constructed piece of German engineering designed to make your scientific expeditions into the unknown the most efficient and the least interrupted available. I know when I'm out in the field, it's really hard for me to tell the difference between a mothman and a giant bird who may or may not be native to that particular area of the country. That's why I use the brand new Sandhill Crane Detection Kit, brought to you by the good people of Squatchco. For over 60 years, Squatchco has been the most trusted name in paranormal investigation equipment. What started as a small business in a garage has now blossomed into a global enterprise utilizing no less than six garages. If you're hunting strange, you're hunting with Squatchco. Now do me a favor, come over here for a second. Let me show you just exactly what the Sandhill Crane Detector Kit will give you. It's a four-part system for identifying the difference between a true cryptid and just another Sandhill Crane. Let me show you this. Look over here real quick. Bring the camera in real close here. Number one, you get the flight vision goggles. These bad boys, when you strap them on, you can see wings from up to and including 500 yards away. These were designed by a Smithsonian Institute ornithologist, but we have them here just for you, just in the Sandhill Crane Detection Kit, along with part number two, an all-new state-of-the-art Sandhill Crane call. Let me give this one a try here. Let me just show you what it, what it sounds like here. All right. That's what your typical Sandhill Crane's gonna sound like when you're out in the field hunting Squatch, Mothman, Strange, whatever. Part three in the system, brand new, state-of-the-art, Sandhill Cradar. It'll show you anything that's flying that is also over five feet tall when not flying, within a radius of 500 yards. I gotta warn you folks, listen to me, I'm doing you a favor here. If you try to use this next to an airport, you're going to have a bad time. Now, come on over here. Part number four in the system. The final part. Let me show you this. Come here. The crown jewel of the system. No less than 500 yards of high-test, low-weight, noise-emitting tripwire. We call it the crane jangler, ladies and gentlemen. Now, look. You can set up a perimeter around your camp. No sandhill crane's going to get through that without making just a ton of daggone noise. And I got to tell you, this system has a combined value of $698. But I'm going to tell you what, we're going to give it to you. 
for three easy payments of $39.95. That's right, $39.95. You get the flight vision goggles, the crane call, the sand hill cradar, and the crane jangler, all for three easy low payments of $39.95. How great is that, folks? Now, you might think that's a great deal, and I'll tell you what, it is. But you know what? If you call an order in the next 10 minutes, we'll double the amount of crane jangler you'll get. That's right, 1,000 feet of crane jangler. And that's not all. You also get another crane call. That's right, flight vision goggles, two crane calls, sandhill cradar, and 1,000 feet of crane jangler, all for three easy payments at $39.95. Now, folks, wait. That's not all. You know what I'm going to do? If you call within the next 10 minutes, I'm going to slash that price to $29.95. That's right, three easy payments of $29.95. The four-part Sandhill Crane Detection System by Squatchco. Now available for only three low payments of $29.95. Now accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, PayPal, Pirate Treasure, Unicorn Tears, and the Blood of the Innocent. Operators are stating... been saving up my unicorn tears yeah. <laughs> well i've got this whole i got a five gallon painter's bucket of the blood of the innocent <laughs> just sitting in the basement <laughs> well the problem is this i've been afraid to spend it because at the last second one of the victims looked at me real skeptical like and i was like wait is this are you innocent by then it was too late they were dead oh no so and when that stuff mixes yeah you can't it's all, unmi- yeah it's it how you can't lose. be unmixed <laughs> you lose a whole batch that way hey, everybody <laughs> I'm David Flora. <laughs> what was that? I'm Dave Stecco. <laughs> it was the Tarzan swing of, of intros. Welcome to Blurry Photos. Do me a favor. Come over here. I got a secret for you. <laughs> what if I told you <laughs> the power to destroy your enemies was out there waiting for you to find it? What if I said only lazy people don't subjugate entire countries? <laughs> what if I told you that with butter glance, you could level your enemies? Butter glance? I can't believe it's not butter glance. <laughs> Don't make fun of me, Dave. <laughs> this is serious. Don't you see this green tie I'm wearing? You don't want any of this butter glance. <laughs> oh, man. Well, everything everything looked great about the weapon butter glance. Oh, zoop. Oh, uh, we got a fun one for you. Yeah. We kind of kicked this around for a while, and we're finally ready to let it loose out on the populace. Uh, this week, we're talking about... Legendary weapons. <laughs> there were some H's, some like rogue la- H's oh, yeah. in, in that. Yeah, uh, that was. It was fine an H game. <laughs> we um, there was a there was a five for one sale on H's at the store. So I, hey, folks. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna talk about some legendary weapons for you. It's a more of a, a fun yeah. uh, episode. Yeah, uh, some uh, kind of folklore, letting loose kind of. Some of them maybe real, some of them not. You know, yeah, most of them not. Probably. Something <laughs> had to pierce the side of the Lord. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I don't feel like that was weird until you two. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I think you did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um. So we'll get to it. Spoilers. So right off the bat, when we when we were talking about this, we kind of found that there was there's two, at least to our minds, kind of categories. There are the actual legendary weapons, which, yes, we're going to get to that because that was the title of the episode that you already clicked play on. Right. 
But then there's also, uh, we want to just give a little bit of time to this, um, weapons that, um, not one weapon, but a style of, sometimes there is such a leap forward in man's ongoing fascination with how to end man from being ongoing. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, and so these, these, these milestones in history where we take this quantum leap forward in number of people killed to, you know, per effort. Right. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to go through just, just a couple of those things. I mean, this is not, uh, going to be some comprehensive list. No, even, unfortunately. Even, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless you wanted a five parter, which, uh, nobody does. And, and even, even in this list, uh, there, there's so many fun and cool weapons to get to. We had to, um, really cut, yeah, cut the list we, down. We had to make some tough choices. So, uh, I'm sure we're going to miss some, but you know what, if there's one that, that you wanted to hear more about, like right into us, tell us, you know, maybe we just, cause some things that we either didn't find out about or, or, or we had to cut. Um, so yeah, this is by no means the exhaustive final compendium right. of these things, but we just picked ones that we thought were interesting and, and fun to talk about. Yeah. And a good variety too, I, yeah. I'd say. And, um, I'm going to start out by talking about, uh, maybe what makes a weapon legendary and, and how weapons have been culturally significant throughout the ages. Yeah. And, uh, and then we'll get into uh, a big old list mm-hmm. and, and see how many we can get through. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So to start out here, let's talk about a little bit of an overview, uh, uh, get into some of the culture with stuff before we get into the, the You talk about gun culture, motherfucker? No, no. Actually, <laughs> thank God. bringing that point up is good because I, I kind of kept things uh, pre-firearm. Yeah, I think we this. give a little wink and a nod to the, turns out guns were important, but that's not, that's not what we're about. Yeah, we, we kind of keep it before the modern age in, in terms of weaponry and warfare. Yeah. You know, you so know, I, I someone's effectively... Gonna get, someone's going to get real pissed, too. They'd be like, uh, well, uh, firearms uh, predate some of the other weapons that you used. Yeah, and that's what you sound like when you say that. <laughs> so just know that. As you write your little f***ing email, <laughs> that's what you sound like. Wow. You're really mad at this uh, supposed <laughs> this, person. God, I hate this straw man argument I've created. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope we don't get any flack for taking the guns out of this. Seventeen seventy six will happen again if you try to take the guns out of the podcast that we love. Colloidal um, silver, I love my family. <laughs> hashtag colloidal silver. Hashtag do you love your family? <laughs> <laughs> so warfare has sadly always been part of mankind's history. And with it, weapons capable of doing harm in a terrible variety of ways. The science of weaponry has included many significant concepts throughout history, including imagination, innovation, engineering, metalworking, psychology, and art, among others. There's a lot of stuff that goes into uh, weapon making that yeah, you, so, you, you don't even sometimes people think try about. to make a weapon out of just staring at a goat. That's true. I don't know where you'd learn more about that. The mind. Probably some really handsome guys could tell you about it. He's the most powerful weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I want to point out now, because you were kind of on a roll, I didn't want to interrupt you, that you, I think you did say worm, wor- wormpenry. <laughs> I probably said wormpenry. <laughs> I'm getting started, so. Yeah, you are. Yeah, Flora's doubling up between a, a bacon beer and a, a double bourbon. So <laughs> so strap in, folks. Let's see how much we can liquor we can get into them. It's always this fun. Is, uh, this is the part where I say, please don't judge me on the bacon beer. <laughs> oh. I, I, I saw it and, and thought it was a novelty item for the young lass in the house and, yeah. and decided to try it. 
America, it's time for me to give you some 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 tough tough love. We're a nation built on loving bacon, and there's nothing wrong with loving bacon. It's delicious. It's time to pump the brakes, America. We don't need bacon in our chocolate. We don't need bacon in our beer. We don't need bacon everywhere you can conceivably physically fit bacon. Like your ear. Yeah. Sometimes suits. <laughs> sometimes you just 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 let bacon be. Just let bacon be bacon. Don't make it into everything. That's it. Uh, 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 Paid for by. Yeah. The more you know sound. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so the cultural significance of weapons is far reaching, touching on how a culture thinks, their wealth, their use of resources. Again, quite a few things that, that you might not think about just in terms of like, oh, put metal in a, in a forge, out comes sword. Right. Weaponry has often changed history aiding in the rise and fall of civilizations. And so it comes as no surprise that some weapons stand out as legendary. Such objects have been immortalized in tales, mythology, and tradition, and many are inspired by real creations. We'll talk a little more about the cultural significance of weaponry throughout the ages, including those considered game changers for society. Too hot for TV. (laughs) That's right. And weapons gone wild. <laughs> Check out those cannons. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> and then we'll run through a fun list of, of weapons, both real and mythological, that all fall under the mantle legendary. So let's start out uh, talking about cultural significance. Weapons have always been made to inflict harm. Yes? Would you agree with that? I, uh, I have weapons to defend my family. <laughs> <laughs> but... They evolved into symbols holding different meanings as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, swords, for instance, have been a mainstay in weaponry, easy to use and efficient. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. That's S-words, David. You didn't. Oh. Yeah. S-words. <laughs> used liberally in politics. <laughs> I made you look like an ass. <laughs> But a sword came to symbolize many things for many cultures. For example, some cultures passed swords down through families and inherited swords were great symbols of tradition, respect, and place in society. Yep. Uh, Swords were given as rewards for heroic deeds, usually bestowed with great honor by a lord or a king or, in some stories, by a god. Yep. Maybe just a lady. Maybe. Maybe. They are an easily recognized symbol of manhood. Zing. Do you get it? Which has been a popular subject throughout history. Yep. Especially in art. They are a great example of innovation in metalworking as techniques have been discovered and refined, leading to further innovations in technology. Some of the most respected metalworking ever comes from bladesmithing traditions, such as those developed in Japan and Damascus. Mm-hmm. Also uh, in Scandinavia, mm-hmm. which we'll come back to. Oof, Bert. That's right. Uh, even today, swords represent tradition and honor. And in the U.S. Marine Corps, officers must own a sword, which is prescribed for formal parades and ceremonies where dress uniforms are worn. And, and judging by the commercials, in order to get that, you either have to, like, climb a really weird <laughs> cliff or you have to fight a dragon or dive through, like, a tunnel full of razors. 
It's all really involved, but I at think the that's end, it's just basic training. But the, at the end of it, you get a sword. You get a sword. Uh, do you know where that comes from, Dave? Cavalry. Uh, it, n- no. No wait. No no no. Not cavalry. Not for the Marines. Uh, for the Marines, it's uh, it's shipboarding. Wouldn't it be? I don't know. You would think so. I know. It's, it's really interesting. The, the That's answer, why I made a note. The answer is that I don't know, but I'm sure <laughs> those are, are sure are going to fire off about 12 more hypotheses <laughs> before and all the time keeping you from telling me the simple truth of the matter. No, no, no. It's way more fun uh, to make shit up. Those are <laughs> like, I, when, if you could just actually. Well, no, I, I just I did have to. No, it's right here. It, it, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. Good guesses, though. Good guesses. I didn't know this either. I think this thought this was really they're interesting. not sabers. That's that's the cavalry sword is a saber. Yeah, and navy. I believe. I believe navy has has sabers in it. But in particular for marines, uh, it comes from the marines' role in capturing the city of Derna during the first Barbary War in 1805, where a Mameluke sword was gifted to First Lieutenant Presley O'Bannon by the Viceroy of the Ottoman Empire as a gesture of praise and respect. Hmm. So the Marines were instrumental in capturing this city for them. And in praise and respect, the Viceroy gave him this sword. And since 1825, Mameluke swords have been worn by Marine officers. So that's where that comes from. I, I, am I crazy? Listeners help me out on this. I feel like I've heard people use it as a derogatory. Look at this Mameluke. I, I, I genuinely feel like I've heard that somewhere. Like, ah, this guy, he's a real mama look. Come on. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard it like that. I, I think I, I have. I think I've heard it. Um, I think I've heard it in Vegas where, <laughs> where they'd be like, hey, mama, look at this. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> I got this sword here. Hey, hey, y'all. <laughs> Come look, on. Look watch out. out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mama, look at this. <laughs> That's um, karate, mama. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. Uh, British forces also wear swords for any appearance at court. Now, this is not for um, a DUI or or uh, pet, petty the, theft or something. Not the legal court. Not the legal. When when you're at the royal court, or if you're an American, you also have to wear your automatic weapons when you go to court. Uh, the food court at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the only way to prove that you have rights is to to terrify everyone around you. Wouldn't that be the scort? (sighs) (laughs) What a terrible piece of clothing. Uh, It It lies! (laughs) What are you? It lies! In mythology, weapons symbolize not only power, but things that weren't well understood by cultures. For example, thunder often came from the belief that lightning was a weapon, and the hurling of thunderbolts caused the sound. Yep. This was a belief that was held in Greek, Islamic, Scandinavian, and Hindu cultures, to name a few. Yeah. A wind could be generated by wielding some legendary weapons. The concept of luck was granted to the owners of some weapons. Earthquakes were weapons being slammed into the earth. And the sun and the moon were chariots in some cultures. Yeah. There are even, uh, you know, obviously uh, video games carry a ton of this. It, it was hard to, to slosh yeah. through yeah, the video you, game stuff. I mean, first of all, this. yeah, you, you can't type legendary weapons yeah. without getting a bunch of World of Warcraft stuff. Or, But, you know, all, all the uh, uh, RPG style video games have, you know, this is 
acid slore, the the acid spitting acts of Vorvin Vlam, and you know they have these these backstories to them. Um, even uh, I think one of the the better systems that you know has this is a uh, what I played a video game a while ago, years ago. It was a, a Warhammer 40k game, and you could equip your your units with special guns and it was like oh this gun has been around for 600 years and this is called the the litany of the damned and the five people who have carried this thing all got burned to death and so it has a little extra flame damage on you know like they they make <laughs> up this kind of lineage for a weapon wow. um and and you see that in in real legendary weapons which we'll get to but there is there is this huge uh, utility that game design companies get out of this idea of of the hand me down weapon or the weapon with this this long history a curse or a mm-hmm, blessing mm-hmm. or both yeah it's it's in a ton of games it's especially useful for games uh, fantasy games where they use swords and stuff you'll find excalibur is in a lot of fantasy games mm-hmm. you know you can uh you can find this that sword it'll maybe you know grant you healing or something while while using it or well i mean the hanzo I've yeah. seen that show up. I've seen that show up in a number of games. A, a katana. There's, yeah, there's always the Hattori Hanzo katana somewhere, somehow. And they sometimes they call it the Hanzo or they'll like some close name to it or just the Hattori. You know, you always know what they're right. getting at, but that's that's a popular one. Final Fantasy Tactics, I think, has the... Nerd, a whole thing on. <laughs> I love that. Like, I've left, left, listed like 12 games the minute you do that. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> it uh it has a whole thing on the masamune sword well there's no way to Katana. find out more about that anyway it's a joke we're gonna talk about later <laughs> hmm. so in stories the presence of weapons were indicative of greater ideas and the gain or loss of a certain weapon could show underlying intentions or subtextual concepts mm-hmm. in other stories weapons helped exemplify a belief such as the sword of damocles yes heard of this thing I, you know what? I reference that a lot and no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. And I feel bad about that. I feel like that's something that everyone, you know, maybe I just don't hang out with people who know about it. It's, it's less known, I think, than the, uh, stone of Sisyphus. Yeah. I think people understand, at least if you said the concept of rolling the stone up the hill and then when it gets to the top, it, it inevitably comes back down. You can never get it to the top. I don't know if people would necessarily get uh, Sisyphus in there, but the sort of Damocles is another tale like that. It's kind of a, a parable or a morality. Yeah. It's sort thing. of, it kind of comes down to a careful what you wish for sort of thing right. where a man, uh, and I forget why ascends the throne. He, and- he, he told the King that he, 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 oh, he, he was right. like, man, man, it must be nice to be King. I wish I, I could be King and, and have people wait on me hand and foot. And so he, the king says, give it a shot. And yeah. over the throne, he has the sword. Uh, the king was Damocles. He has the sword uh, suspended by a single thread over the, over, so over the, the throne so that whoever sits on it, while yes, they're wielding extraordinary power, but their life is that close to ending all the time. Right. Which is the truth, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good metaphor. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy was having a lovely feast. Everything was going great until he, for some reason or another, looks up and there's a sword right above his head. And he's like, uh, "I get it now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, kingship yeah. is not for me. Yeah, you can have it. I don't know. I still might try my hand at kingship. <laughs> People are trying to kill me right and left anyway. So who That's cares?" Right. <laughs> 
Uh, so let's talk about some of these real historical game changers. Right. Uh, yeah. Before we get into like the, the legendary weapons in specific, uh, there are there are moments in history where everything sort of turns on a dime and and these aren't these aren't universal. These are especially the further back in history you go. These are very isolated in some areas. They never show up in others. Um, but the the first thing I'd like to historically bring up and and again disclaimer we're we're, we're broad strokesing this. There's all kinds of things we're going to yeah, skip. Don't get in. butt hurt. All right. Yeah, bro. Don't get butt hurt if we leave out your favorite friggin' knife. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a hint. We don't have any knives in this. A Chris. We have a Chris. Oh, there you go. Maybe. If we get to <laughs> We've got so many yeah. weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, and here we are, burning time, arguing about how much time we'll have to talk about shit for idiots. Uh, right off the bat, the Adelaide. This, this is a very, uh, it, for its time, it, it very... Uh, elaborate piece of technology if you're not familiar with this it is a a board or a piece of bone that you hold in your hand and it, it's a way of, of gaining mechanical advantage on a spear yeah again it's kind of hard to to explain with words but uh imagine so you're if you were just to throw a spear you know you grab it somewhere near the middle of it and you just throw it forward kind of overhand style mm-hmm. what an adelaide is is it's a long board that you hold in your hand. You hold it, and if you're right-handed, in your right hand, your left hand stabilizes the spear. This board reaches; it goes straight back. It's got a notch in it that you fit the end of the butt end of the spear into. Mm-hmm. So now, when you when you move your arm forward to throw the spear, it's almost though you're swinging like a tennis racket that mm-hmm. has a, a spear attached to the the very top of it, and that that mechanical advantage you get from whipping it forward. Um, significantly increases the force at which this thing is thrown. And now you can throw farther or at shorter range, penetrate deeper into say something like a mammoth or a bear. Uh, and this is a huge advantage, jaguar. <laughs> a jaguar, a huge advantage to hunters. Yeah. Um, and, and very, very mechanically um, advanced, you know, for, for how it works. It's kind of like having an extra joint. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of it as, one of those uh, one of those things you see at the dog park these days, it's where the ball oh. is on the end. You know, you you just put the little ball in the cup. That's and it's so just a, much better than my shitty example. Well played, no, your, Flora. Your, your your example was correct completely. It's just this mm-hmm. is this is a ball and not a spear. Yeah, you're and right. It had some give to it, so it, yep. you got some of that elasticity, you know, it, which helped the mechanical advantage in, in throwing this thing. You're right. It is exactly. It's the ball thrower, but. You replace the ball with a spear. Right. Pow. Yeah. So brilliant. You don't do that at dog parks, though. We'll tell you right now. (laughs) It'll turn out sad. Addle addle practice. (laughs) So uh, there you go. Addle addle. That was a that was a huge thing. Floor. What do you got? And and it's and it's very cool what people can come up with Mm -hmm. uh, when they really right when you when you absolutely positively have to kill that motherfucker over there <laughs> and these are we're talking about stuff that uh they're they're standouts in terms of, of changing the direction of warfare and and uh even civilization you know these these things give you such an advantage that you advance quicker than your neighbors mm-hmm. and then you eventually take over your neighbors right. i mean just as simple as this and i don't i honestly don't know that it i mean I'm, i assume at some point somebody killed a dude with an adelaide I, I my understanding is it was you mostly know a hunting tool yeah but uh in in that mel gibson movie <laughs> apocalypto 
I think they use them, I think, for sport when mm-hmm. they're they, – there's a scene where they release the main character and some other characters to run down this big open field and they're trying to avoid Adelaide spears being thrown at them. Jeez. Just for – The hell of it. For sport, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can imagine if one group of people has these things – that can increase the force and range of their of their thrown weapons and another group doesn't, someone's going to win and it's not going to be hard for them to do so with that. Right. And as we go along through here, that's exactly what each of these weapons does. It gives an advantage. And in general, weapon innovations have always been common with things being improved and tweaked for efficiency, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but occasionally, technology makes a just a huge leap forward, which results in revolutions in warfare that often proved decisive in conflict. And we'll go through a few more of, of some of the most famous weapons that were instrumental in changing the course of history. And we're, we'll, we'll keep going with the chariot. Ooh, yes. That thing was a legitimate sweet ride. Put a couple of blades on the wheels. <laughs> The chariot was a carriage driven by a person, drawn by horses or donkeys or asses. Get on that donkey, donkey. Used as early as 3000 BCE, the chariot provided a fast-moving platform for delivering death, giving the fighter advantages of height, speed, and inertial mass over opponents on foot. Archers or spear throwers launched deadly ranged attacks from them, and swordsmen could mow down the enemy from them. Uh, this was a huge leap forward from just battling or, or moving on foot. The first certain mention of chariots in warfare comes from the Mesopotamian Hittite Empire in the 1600s BCE. This also helped propel the innovation of cavalry originating from the Central Asian and Iranian steppe tribes. Right, and that's where you get things like uh, the Parthian shot. Yeah. Um, which is turning around backwards in your saddle. Yep. The, the Parthians, they were an Iranian people and they were such good horsemen and they used this, this combination of archery and horsemen. So well, they could retreat from their enemy while kicking their ass, right? Because for every other army in the history of everything, when you retreat, you get butchered, right? The Parthians turned it into a tactical advantage. They turned it into their way of making an attack. They were such good uh, uh, skilled archers and skilled horsemen that they could just turn around and just rain accurate arrow fire down onto their enemies while retreating. Yeah. Glorious. Or or, or just drive-bys. <laughs> or just drive-bys, right. Drive-by and horses. To, and to this day, we still have the turn of phrase, the Parthian shot. Like, you know, I think we also call it the backhanded compliment these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's used as a, uh, as a term for speech. Yeah. It's like getting the last word in. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously... The Huns under Attila used this to their advantage greatly. Now, horses, you would think horses would come before chariots, but horses were small back then. Yeah. They were not able to carry the weight of of a rider, let alone someone wearing some armor, carrying some equipment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it wasn't until horses kind of got bred to be bigger and be able to carry them. And then the horses and horsemen from the steppes, out there where you got nice flat land, you can, you know, really practice this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Then they, they came on the scene and changed it from there. So that's that's one of our first uh, uh, innovations. What we got next here? Uh, up next, as far as uh, big game changers, um, this this kind of straddles the line. You could almost call this a uh, 
a legendary weapon of sorts, but this is a real historical weapon, and, and there was way more than one of them. Right. It's hard to to know how many there were. Great, great documentary on Netflix. A great one <laughs> that's on Netflix, uh, and it's it's one of my favorite things. I actually watched it like four times now. Really? Um, because I, my dream uh, is to be like an amateur blacksmith. I, I'm as soon as I get to a place where I can have like a a shop or just a good garage, I'm absolutely going to build a forge. I just want to work on metals with hammers. Like I, I, it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. Like amazing fun to me too. Yeah. Um, so there's this wonderful, uh, uh, documentary is, I think it's done by, um, national geographic about a sword called the Ulfbert. And it's, it's a Scandinavian sword. Uh, Vikings use them in war and these swords, they have the world, the word Ulfbert etched into them. Mm-hmm. And, the the interesting thing about this, and this is, I mean, this even edges into oop art territory because the quality of steel used was not seen again. And these swords were made at about uh, between 800 and 1000 AD. And these swords, uh, they the quality of steel used in them was not seen again until the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> I mean, like a cool thousand years ahead of their time. Oof. I mean, Oof, Oof. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were extraordinarily well-made. Uh, they were, they were hand-me-downs. They were only, you know, uh, chieftains and, and things like that carried these swords. I mean, it was, it was just having the, the most technologically advanced weapon on a battlefield mm-hmm. because they were sharp. They didn't shatter. They were made well. And there's a huge amount of mystery as to where the hell were the Scandinavians getting these amazing swords and why were they all called Ulfbert? Yeah. Unfortunately, we only really have an answer to one of those questions. <laughs> um, Ulfbert could have been um, the blacksmith who made the first one. Mm-hmm. And then there, well, just like what you were saying before, Flora, it could have been um, a superstition. Like, well, if the, the name Ulfbert, you know, and keep in mind, these are Vikings. This is runic culture, mm-hmm. you know, um, where you put power runes onto things and they, right. they help. So perhaps it was felt that the name Ulfbert carried power with it. So you put that on the sword. Um, it could be perhaps that they were all made by one guy. Um, but it was just like putting Nike on, on shoes. Exactly. That these were all, that was his stamp. What they do know, or at least as best we know is that the, the, the steel itself wasn't forged by Scandinavians. They believe because they found archeological evidence of this, that the, the, uh, the steel itself actually came from the middle East from Northern Iran. Uh, the Iran Iraq area, mm-hmm. they found a few um, forges that were built in a, in such a manner that could create this, and that's why this documentary is so great. Is that it? This guy goes through the entire process. He mixes iron and carbon mm. and and makes with mud and brick uh, a, a forge to to uh, to bind it all together to melt it down in a crucible. And and, and then, the forge was was different from other forges at the time, right? It was yeah. It was it was, it was capable of uh, attaining a much higher temperature. Yeah. So you get a much more uniform uh, distribution within the the steel itself. And while history knows the Vikings as extraordinary uh, uh, marauders and warriors, they were really really the world's best traders at the time. They were all over the place and they were trading as far away as uh, Northern Iraq and Iran. They mm. were, they, they, they made it that far out. So the belief is this steel was actually imported as ingots and then forged into swords in Scandinavia. And I, I wish we had more time cause it's so great, but look <laughs> it up on Netflix. It's an amazing documentary and the Ulfbert is just a cool thing in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
jumping over to the British Isles, we've got a, a real piece of work called the... Real nasty ticket. <laughs> the English Longbow. Oh! A six-foot or 1.8-meter long medieval bow used in warfare, mostly between 1250 and 1450 CE. If you look at any list of top weapons of all time, yeah, you're gonna see it. the The bow and arrow is probably gonna be on there. And while bows were one of the earliest weapons to be developed by mankind, the English longbow is famous for its design and power, winning battles for armies against seemingly impossible odds. See the Battle of Agincourt, mm-hmm. for example. These bows were made primarily of yew wood. Yew wood. Yew wood. (laughs) A strong yet supple wood, which was in abundance in England until the power of the longbow was discovered, and then stocks of yew trees were depleted by the middle of the 1300s, and a shortage of wood remained until bows were usurped by guns around Mm -hmm. the 1700s. The longbow provided more power and distance per draw than other bows at the time and represented an advance in technology that proved significant for a long time also. And it, it shaped so much of how war was carried out for that entire region. Um, obviously it's a, you know, very uh, England versus France in a number of wars about this. And uh, you know, you had this, 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 juxtaposition of the English longbow versus a French, I think mounted cavalry was a big strength of theirs. Mm -hmm. Um, And to this day, this lives on in in our culture. And if you're, if you live in America, you will see this crop up in every British TV show or BBC, anything (laughs) UK, like the British middle finger is your hand facing toward Mm. the palm facing towards you, two fingers up, usually in a double, like double pump <laughs> kind of thing. And that, that, uh, that insult, that gesture is because so powerful was the English longbow, such a huge pa- uh, advantage that when French soldiers captured Englishmen of fighting age, they didn't kill them. They didn't need to, all they had to do was cut off their, uh, their pointer and uh, middle finger, their yeah. index and pointer and middle finger because then they couldn't draw the, the longbow. And at that point, they're like, well, then you're, now you're useless militarily. Go on, get out of here. Go on, get. And so to this day, that, that f- you gesture was brought up to show I have my draw fingers. You're, you're in trouble because you haven't gotten me. Yeah. I can draw, I can draw a bow. So go f- yourself. Yeah. And, and so that, that, that that lives on to this day. That <laughs> that true. is the that is the the ripple in the pond that this that this weapon made. That's right. And um, uh, other places were were using bows sort of like this, although composite bows and, and shorter bows were mm-hmm. were more common. Uh, but they've recently found that they can tell who were the archers in in the the graves in the in the skeletal yeah. remains and stuff. You know, because the bones were a bigger. Because they they had to carry the 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 power in their their upper body, they had to have that draw power in the muscles. Also, the bone spurs that were on in their arms, their wrists, their fingers. This you know, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. These things had such power. But you think, especially from like, <laughs> I'm coming at this from you know strategy games right. and in and, and crap like that, Age of Empires, this this and that. 
archers are kind of the wusses that stand <laughs> behind everybody and shoot. Uh, no, dude, yeah. they were they were jacked. Yeah, because you had to be strong as hell to to wield these things on the field. You know, so and not just and not just once or twice, right? For hours, hours, just lobbing, just these and the the shafts on these things. <laughs> were enormous <laughs> i mean these were not small air these were like tiny spears <laughs> these were these were meant to f you up yeah and they've done tests even today where you put a bodkin arrow on on the end of of one of these uh arrows and shoot it and it, it'll pierce chain mail would that be a covered bodkin or a bear bodkin yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh <laughs> oh, you killed it. Moving uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the English long longbow. Next we move on to the trebuchet. The trench bucket. Trench bucket. <laughs> the trench bucket. Trench bucket. Long long battle. <laughs> <laughs> the trebuchet. These these were uh well, I'll tell you what, catapults. Yep. Everybody knows catapult. Great innovation in siege warfare warfare, but the distance and the accuracy of them weren't that great. Yeah. Enter the trebuchet, yeah, a the, siege engine which used counterweights to hurl projectiles of up to 350 pounds at fortifications. The other the other uh, advantage that the trebuchet had over the catapult, catapults would would destroy themselves. <laughs> yeah. The firing arm had to come up and come into contact with a, a stopping arm. It would... And, it would and, and usually when you even primed them, they had to be, the wood was bent or right. at least stressed to a point where they wanted to exactly to to, sling up to, to get them to fire in the first place. So, uh, a lot of works put into siege engines, a lot of, a lot of time and effort and a catapult was just a thing that was just killing itself the whole time. Yeah. Now a trebuchet, the, the beauty of the trebuchet is that it was never working against itself. It was a cantilevered system that used weights, to uh, to achieve the same effect, if not better, you actually had a much higher arc, mm-hmm. and so the trebuchet is what allowed you to do th- to throw things like fire or um, dead cattle or plague victims yeah. over your uh, enemy's walls. You had this high arc, so things went up and over and then dropped in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First originating in China, possibly before the fourth century BCE. Ooh. Now. Uh, they were used throughout the East and Middle East until really taking off in the 12th century crusades mm-hmm. with great in- increases in projectile speed, distance, and payload. The trebuchet demolished otherwise impossible fortifications and rarely had a countermeasure from opposing forces. Uh, now, they did inflict stress upon themselves. You know, you, you can't have such a powerful machine not be stressed in some way or another, but... It wasn't so bad as as catapults and onagers of the time, and and people as trebuchets got more popular. Of course, mm-hmm. the way to to build them and make them and transport them got better too. So, like, yeah, these things were the best of the best for if you wanted to take down a wall, if you wanted to assault a castle, get yourself a couple of these, and within days you were you were through the door, or yeah. I, or through the wall, really, <laughs> zing. And that uh, that sort of brings us to the last game changer that we're gonna we're gonna put out there, I yeah. think, uh, which is uh, the classic old gunpowder. Right. Well, we got one more after gunpowder. Well, 
we'll we'll throw in one more. But then we have the game changer. Yeah, and there there are after gunpowder. It's like oh wow, there's this really cool thing that revolutionized blah blah blah. Oh, and then this came along, and then this. You yeah, know. everything everything after gunpowder was just making gunpowder more gunpowdery. <laughs> yeah, until the ultimate gunpowder. <laughs> um, but yeah, the invention of, of the the not the invention of gunpowder, but the the use of gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a, a propellant for, yep. for balls of metal. Originating in 9th century CE China, while monks were experimenting to find an elixir of immortality, gunpowder ushered in the modern era of weaponry and changed the face of war forever after. That's right. Obviously. So what's a charcoal, sulfur, you. and saltpeter salt for you? Peter. Uh, those of you uh, home alchemists. <laughs> Looking to extend your lives. Yeah. Or not, um, <laughs> or not. Yep. You've got you've got cannons, uh, you know, muzzle loaders, everything. Ar- Arquebus was yeah. one of the first uh, handheld. Arquebus. Hand, Arquebus. Arquebus. It's it's interesting, and and it's just not for this episode. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. It's and, it's, and probably not for this podcast. Really, that's more of a military history podcast, but still, still interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, and just obviously. Was a, it was a huge, you know, even uh, Jared Diamond, guns, germs, and steel. Mm-hmm. You know, you put you can put guns and steel in one category right there, and <laughs> so yeah, gunpowder. And I think I think the most in our lifetimes or near enough. Sure. Uh, how about uh, the, the A bomb, yep. nuclear gym janglery? That's that's what's jangling the gyms these yep. days. And I guess you could even take that one step further and say, uh, uh, drones. Let it let a robot go out and fight. Control yeah. it, control it from Nevada, kill a guy in Afghanistan. And that's, that's getting in and out burger on your latest. way home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, these are, and I, I, I would even say that above nuclear weapons, which everyone's terrified of, but I think that we've gotten to hopefully, and we stay this way, but we got to a point where everyone was just like, okay, this is, this is a thing none of us could ever use. But then you have these things that are less than nuclear weapons, like drones and, and, uh, you know. Where, Could even argue biological weapons. Yeah, up there. Yeah, we're we'll never stop finding ways to kill people in creative ways because we're just a we're just a species of a holes. <laughs> so there you go, game changers. Game changers. Now, how about how about those individual heroes thing? I mean, like you know, when when I kill an ogre, I want some sweet loot to drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want something purpled in there. You know it. Well, how about we do a, a whirlwind tour? Yes. Hit some hit some different cultures, hit some different fun things. Uh, we'll we'll touch on each. We're not going to go too in depth on on a lot of these, but enough to uh, to give you a nice taste. And you know, well, maybe maybe in the future when we uh, when we cross paths with these again, we can really get them stuck in our crawls. Yeah, our crawls deserve that. Let's get to the list. <laughs> yeah, start out with the Ruyi Jingobung. This was the magical staff of the Monkey King, Sun Wukong. In one version of the story, it was given to Sun by the Dragon King, Al Guang. It was believed at first to be a useless iron pillar used by Yu the Great to measure the depths of the world flood in prehistory. When Sun lifted it and suggested a smaller size would be more manageable, the pillar shrunk down to staff size and was banded with a gold ring on each end. An inscription read, The Compliant Golden Hooped Rod, and indicated that it followed the commands of the owner, shrinking or growing to their whim, and weighed 17,550 pounds. Boom. And could also shrink to fit behind the Monkey King's ear, which is where he kept it. That's right. 
he would shrink it to the size of a needle and stick it behind his ear when he wasn't using it. That's the Ruyi Jingu Bong. Uh, how about moving over to Japan with the Grass Cutter, also known as the Kusanagi no Tsurugi, one of the three imperial regalia of Japan, the sword representing the virtue of valor, given to the great warrior Yamato Takeru, who was lured onto an open grassland during a hunting expedition by a treacherous warlord. The lord had fiery arrows loose to ignite the grass and trap Yamato in the field so that he would burn to death. Mm -hmm. He also killed the warrior's horse to prevent his escape. He really wanted Yamato dead. (laughs) Desperately, Yamato used the sword to cut back the grass and remove fuel from the fire, but in doing so, he discovered that the sword enabled him to control the wind and cause it to move in the direction of his swing. Taking advantage of this, Yamato uh, used something else he had with him called fire strikers to enlarge the fire in the direction of the evil warlord and his men, and he used the winds controlled by the sword to sweep the blaze toward them, thus defeating them. Yeah. Handily. Like defeating, you mean burn to death. Burning. In triumph, Yamato renamed the sword Kusanagi no Tsurugi, translated the grass cutter sword, yeah. to commemorate his narrow escape and victory. Allegedly, it's kept at Atsuda Shrine, but it's not available for public display and its existence cannot be confirmed. Yeah. The, the, the three parts of the regalia, it's the sword, there's a mirror and a gem. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are only made, uh, available to the emperor. And I believe the last emperor was Akihito, I believe. Uh, and I think that was in 89, 1989. Yeah. 1989 was the last time that they were, they were brought out. Uh, they're they're kept in three separate places now. You know, the best anyone has is kind of an idea, but uh, only um, the emperor and uh, a high ranking, I think, clergy actually mm. get to, to to actually see it. So that's kind of kind of it's kind of fun. That could be yeah. sitting in a in a box somewhere <laughs> next to the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. Uh, also, honorable mention for Japan was the uh, swordsmith Masamune. Oh, right, right. Who, who made some uh, expert masterwork swords mm-hmm. in, uh, during the late 13th century. And that's kind of what you were talking about earlier, the Hattori. Yeah. Uh, the Hanzo swords and stuff. Uh, if something has the name Masamune, first of all, it's probably fake. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but second of all, if it's real, it's, it's one of the best yeah. crafted swords in all of existence, supposedly. So chop some shit up, then sell it. Yeah moving along how about we take a trip down to vietnam yeah i haven't been there yeah uh, that's in, in our travels there's the tan tien aka heaven's will it's the mythical sword of the vietnamese king le loi according to legend the sword possessed magical power which supposedly made le loi grow very tall when he used the sword it gave him the strength of a thousand men and I believe he used it to liberate the Vietnamese people at the time and then rule over them. <laughs> yeah, right. As as so often is the case in history. Right. You're free. You're free to worship You're me. My. <laughs> You're free to do what I tell you. <laughs> Moving, uh, I guess, inland significantly. How about the 
Pasha Patastra. Yeah. From uh, from India. This is a, a, a Hindu weapon that... It was a mind weapon! It was, it was nuts. Uh, most destructive uh, personal weapon of Shiva Kali and Adi Parasakthi. Yeah, and it's not like Shiva was running out of re- ways to kill people. Right. Shiva right. was pretty good at it. Yes, and Kali. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps more so. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this was, a, this was a, a crazy weapon discharged by the mind, the eyes, words, or maybe a bow. It, it came out of something somewhere right. and, and was powerful. Never to be used against lesser enemies or by lesser warriors, which mm. is interesting. Uh, but it's capable of destroying creation and vanquishing all beings. Sounds like a BFG yeah, to me. Yeah, that is. That's the BFG 9000 or 9008 BC. <laughs> uh, uh, referenced in the Mahabharata. Mm-hmm. They didn't use it, basically. Yes. <laughs> Right, that was destroy right, That's the nuclear option. They were like, hey, don't make us. We don't want to use it. Don't make us because it'll. <laughs> Basically, it's used to, to slay gods. Yeah. It's not to be used uh, against mortals or, or, or on the earth, really. It's just you, you use it in case you need to, to kill a god somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere some, someday you'll have to. What else we got here? Oh, well, speaking of gods, how about Al Batar? That's the uh, it's the sword of prophets. It was uh, a sword that was in possession of Mohammed, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually currently at at, at the uh, Tupkapi Museum in Turkey. You yeah. can go see this, um, and this is this is a really interesting artifact. Mohammed came into possession of this sword as a, it was a spoil of war. Yeah, um, he actually came into a, quite a few yeah, swords. There, yeah, this way. If, in this you know we we don't have time to go into all of them, but I mean look it up because yeah. this museum has I would if I ever go to Turkey I'm tracking this down because they have so many historically fascinating you know there's a ton of stuff yeah. stuff to see in Turkey by the way <laughs> yeah there is there is yeah if you've ever listened to this this podcast yeah go on a vacation to Turkey like our listeners did that's right they, like Gobekli Tepe so they went there yeah anyway uh, so. Uh, the Albatar is it's a 101 centimeter sword. It's called the sword of prophets because it's inscribed with the names of David, Solomon, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Zechariah, John, Jesus, and Muhammad. Sorry. Who, who was that? Second to last one. <laughs> Jesus. The Christ. <laughs> Not in this context, That's just true. Jesus in That's this true. context, just just Jesus, the Jesus, the guy, just Jesus, the guy, the, the real cool guy, the but, real cool but, guy with, with the good guy. ideas. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the lineage of the weapon is that this was the sword that belonged to Goliath. David oh, yeah. took this from him after killing him. And I read accounts in, in either direction that he just took it from that. It was just Goliath's sword or is that, that he took Goliath's sword and then used it to sever his head. Right. Um, after That's defeating him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's called the Sword of Prophets. Uh, Al Batar. Yeah, and boy, it's it's really cool looking. The cross guard on it, it's like a serpent heads, and it's it's a cool looking sword. Yeah. Honorable mention in here the Zulfikar as yes. well, which is a, a really cool uh, sword. Also a spoil of war, but passed down from Muhammad to followers. There's also the Hatf sword that was said to be forged by David. To, to be his super sword. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like I said, this this particular museum has a lot of cool swords in it, uh, and there's a lot of neat history in that area. Yeah. So. 
Moving on. Put it, put it on the list. Yeah. Uh, how about we go to Malaysia, a, a beautiful place we haven't been back to for a while. How about the Taming Sari? This is a Chris, which is a just, it's kind of a, a wavy dagger. Yeah, it's a serpentine shaped uh, a dagger that is uh, very, very well known in that part of the world, um, both ceremonially and just for 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 fighting. Yeah, and this uh, the Taming Sari. It was believed to have been wielded by a legendary Melakon warrior named Hang Tua, and get this, it's said to grant physical invulnerability to its wielder. That is God, the weapon. Yeah. To God mode activated. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think that every time they found someone who was carrying the sword dead, they're like, oh, you must have dropped it. What an idiot. <laughs> and, and, then the, and then the enemy placed it back in his hand. <laughs> Get this. It was said to be made of 21 different types of metal. hey That's pretty cool. And was so skillfully crafted, anyone wielding it was unbeatable. Uh, although in some in some versions, that it was an enchantment placed upon it that made it so that yeah. they made it so Hung Tua eventually won it in a duel to the death after which uh, uh, the local king presented the the weapon to him uh, as as the the victor and I mean why would you give up a weapon that's what like I this? keep thinking where's the sword while these guys are fighting to the death and why isn't the guy who had the sword taking the sword into the fight to the death hmm. one version of where it ended up was that Hung Tua failed to bring back a princess uh, I guess that was that was captured by Bowser or or some, right. someone in a in a, in a yeah in a tower or, and the version goes he disappeared and was never seen or heard from again or that he maybe threw the dagger in the river saying that he would return when it reappeared huh yeah I'll be back you pesky kids and one more thing about it it was said to be able to hover in the air during times of crisis or actually leap out of its sheath to fight on behalf of its wielder. That, see? Perfect. See? Once again, the movie The Shadow got it right. <laughs> I never saw that. Oh, no. There's a little golden dagger. It's it's not the same thing at all. But it, there's a little golden dagger that has a little face that's like, and it like flies through the air and, and attacks when you. When did The Shadow come out? Mm, early 90s, maybe? Mid-90s? Mid okay. Are you thinking of Alec fan- Baldwin? Phantoms? No, I'm the sha- it's the shadow. Okay. It's uh y- oh. your friend Alec Baldwin. Well he well, we don't talk as much anymore. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> what what else we got? How about uh and this is this is fun, you get a little compound action here. How about Joyeuse? Oh yeah. Yeah, this is a back to Europe. Uh this was uh purported to be the sword of Charlemagne, the personal weapon of Charlemagne. Uh, you can go see it in a museum. <laughs> Don't try and take it. Right. Now, uh, it is said that it actually has, and we'll come back to this, the Spear of Destiny incorporated into the pommel. Uh-oh. That this is a sword slash holy relic. But what if I don't know what the Spear of Destiny is? Shut up and listen! Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's I it's, I think it's I, I like the ones the most where you can go to a museum and see them. Yeah, yeah. And Charlemagne obviously being first Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know his name, but I'm I'm I am. And this is something that I talk about with Ken Hyde a lot. I am I am as history 
ignorant as he is history learned, which is a <laughs> huge gap. He knows a lot more about history, and I know nothing about history. Well, uh, Charlemagne, I just looked it up for us, just just so we're cool. Oh, yes, good. was the first holy Holy Roman Emperor. Nice. Uh, first recognized emperor in Western Europe since the collapse of the Western Roman Empire three centuries earlier. Um, fr- French. He's he was he was a, a Frank, right? Duh. King, King of the Franks. Lay, laid foundations for modern France and Germany. Charlemagne is a big name. There you go. Also instrumental in bringing Christianity to a lot of the yep. a lot of the folks there. And with him in his entourage. How about uh, Roland? Yes. Charlemagne's number one stunner, the paladin Roland. And um, his, his glorious sword, Durandal. Durandal, which uh, was given to Charlemagne by an angel. <laughs> and he was just like re-gift. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, already got one. <laughs> already got, got one. Got the spear of destiny in it. Yeah. This one's... Mm. So he, I just... I would love to accept that gift, but like... My girlfriend gave me this sword, and she's going to get real hella pissed <laughs> if I don't use it. The angel was like, we don't use that term. <laughs> but he gave it to Roland, and it was said uh, in, in its golden hilt, it was said to possess one tooth of St. Peter, the blood of St. Basil, the hair of St. Dennis, and a piece of the raiment of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus <laughs> no, no, nope. Just Mary. <laughs> I, I got real chrononaut on that yeah, one. Yeah, you did. I, I really a thought piece that. Piece of the raiment of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I, I thought that from the sound of it, it <laughs> sounded like there was going to be like the toenail of Gustav Flaubert in there a little bit too. I don't. I don't think he'll. <laughs> yeah, he might pop in later. But yeah. I think people are are flaubert out. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got flaubert. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> And this is all coming to us from a, a poem, The Song of Roland, by the way. <laughs> but in it, it was the sharpest sword in all existence. Roland apparently attempted to destroy it to prevent it from being captured by the attacking Saracens. And in the process, he created La Breche de, de Roland. Never heard of it. It's in the Pyrenees. Whatever it is, it's a big gap in the in the mountain ridge. Said to be when when he tried to destroy it, I guess he swung it into this and it blew out a big gap yeah um, Rock, rocks lose local legend says that the sword still exists and it's embedded in a cliff wall in rockham france really and you can see pictures of this thing there's a there's a rusty sword stuck in a wall in a cliff face the legend goes that instead of hiding it where he was buried he just threw it and it's stuck in the wall <laughs> Uh, but it's probably a replica. Oh, <laughs> womp womp. So that's, that's Durandal. How about over in... Good old Mesopotamia? Good, uh, just making a Mesopotamia. <laughs> nice. Uh, ancient Sumerian weapon here for you. It's a mace called the Sharer, which means smasher of thousands. What if you found it out in the middle of the country? Whether it be the rural Sharer? <laughs> what if what if there were oh, what if it was an hairy, hairy hairy footed small people out there would, uh-huh. would they would they be herbits of the sure <laughs> um it's a it's a symbol of the god ninurta and was apparently an enchanted talking mace Ooh, a talking mace hey i think you want to smash that guy <laughs> Throw me into his skull. 
smash that guy and that guy he's cool and that guy i hate that guy smash him boss smash, smash him. them all <laughs> What's what's cool about this is that a lot of uh, people think that it might be a precursor to other stories, such as Arthurian weapons and oh. stuff like that. Um, Too bad we won't cover that today. <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> I don't even know if you gave that a, a time to sink in. I didn't. <laughs> Smash them. Also, what's what's cool about this, and we'll we'll come back to this really soon, but you'll see it in a lot of stuff. The Sharer has the power to fly across vast distances and communicate with its wielder. When thrown, just keeps going. Smart. This is, oh, man. Sounds familiar. Mm. Uh, the god Ninurta defeated a monstrous demon with it. In battle, it's not only a weapon. It provides crucial intelligence to, the, to whoever's wielding it, acting as an emissary between the god Enlil, who we have uh, talked about, and Listen up, losers. Inlil wants you to know the following things. First, in order of importance, you're going to get smashed. Second, see the first declaration. Now, who's first to get smashed? <laughs> Jesus. He That's wasn't, why nobody uses Shur. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't good at it, but he was still an emissary of sorts. Uh, so it, it talked, uh, it was a go between, uh, between the wielder and Inlil. One more thing. Oh, don't forget this. It could also take the form of a winged lion. <laughs> I'm flying. I'm a flying lion. Motherfuckers. Who wants to get smashed? <laughs> oh, my God. oh, let's, let's get away from Shar now. If That's Shar. If lion, you're dying. <laughs> What a cock. Yeah. What a total dipshit. All right. Uh, <laughs> He's talking about me directly. <laughs> so that's Char. What else we got oh, uh, going down through let's, the let's, ages? Let's hit some of the let's hit some of the big ones. Starting There's a, how with... about a how about a how about a sword called Excalibur? What is it? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of Kaladflitch. <laughs> oh really? Then perhaps you've heard of Kaliswol. No, no, actually, I think it's Kaladvarut. Oh, do you mean Caliburnus? That's the one. <laughs> I, I, known by many names. It Ooh. is the sword of King Arthur uh, that was put into the stone to determine who the leader should be. Uh, it's involved. There's a lady and a lake. This sword is so badass that even its scabbard had amazing properties. Mm. The possessor of the scabbard, uh, if wounded, uh, based, you know, there are a couple of different versions of it. Either no matter how much you bled, you would not succumb to it or your wounds wouldn't bleed at all. Mm. And like most great things ruined by a girl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You got to say that because I don't believe that. But uh, yep, Morgan Le Fay whipped that scabbard into a lake. No one got, no one ever saw it again. She, she and and then Arthur died. Yeah, yeah, because all of a sudden he was bleeding. Now there there are different versions, of course, as we all know of the Arthur story and the legends. Yes, we all know because we taught you, <laughs> <laughs> gentle listener. It was we who instructed you on its ways. And Excalibur in one of them. Yes, it's the sword and the stone, 
proclaiming Arthur to be king of the Britons. Yeah. Well, the but, sword, the sword had a pretty specific perspective. And that's just, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just in this, this is Choco Rock here, but I, I, don't, I gotta find King that's Arthur. Right. Reincarnated by a guy who saw a woman in black. We, yeah. all, know, we all know the story, Dave. We all know the story. <laughs> <laughs> but in some stories, there was a different sword in the stone. And when that one broke on Arthur, he, led by Merlin, went to the lake to said lady and to see what their return policy was. Yeah. And he was like, listen, I don't have a receipt. Uh, I got this from a stone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey lady. Hey lady. And, uh, and she gave him Excalibur, her arm clad in the purest shimmering shimmering samite. But it wasn't just a sword for Arthur. Not, not just one weapon was enough. Lots of things had to find King Arthur. (laughs) For example, Flora, he had a dagger. Oh, yeah? He had a spear. Oh, really? Will you tell me about him, please? Sure. He had a dagger named Karnwinen and a spear named Ragamanyad that belonged to him. How does that spear go? Shut up. (laughs) Karnwinen, or or Little White Hilt was a dagger that had the power to shroud its user in shadow. Nice. Also, the fact that um, it's called Little White Hilt makes it sound like it couldn't cut a man in half. You'd be f***ing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Because it did cut a man in half. Wow. I think it's funny that he had a dagger that could shroud him in shadow coming from a, an RPG background where it's like, eh, he's a knight, or, you know, some kind of tank. <laughs> if he tried to do some of this, you know, D&D background, let's say. <laughs> well, what's his, what's his, uh, his dual um, spec, dude? <laughs> what? A shadow knight? A shadow knight? What are you talking about? A shadow knight? A dual spec paladin? Maybe. Who's Sneaks around in plate mail. He was clearly a warrior. And now he's sitting here using shadow powers as though he never read the 3.5 rules update. It's offensive and it's it's infuriating is what it is. I won't have it. Any any now, re- now Death Knights, that's different. <laughs> that's different. That's different. Any reason to do my Edwin voice, I need no provocation. As proven. <laughs> now the spear uh, the spear is a little mysterious. There's, it, it's hard to find any any information on it. Whether yeah, I'm sure it was, it had some kind of magical properties, right? Could, what spear house or something? I don't know. <laughs> it was badass. I don't know. But those are the the raiments of King Arthur. Not really raiments. The effects. The personal effects. The sword that he pulled from the stone in in stories is called Caliburn in some accounts. So that's, well, it's because it's the current caliber, not the previous caliber. He also, (laughs) he also apparently had another sword of peace known as Clarent, also called Coward's Blade because it was the sword that Mordred stole to kill him with. Oh. Mm. King Arthur. (laughs) Honorable mention real quick to the uh, Spear of Lou uh, in Celtic mythology, old long arm Lou. Oh, God. Uh. Yeah. Had a spear that could you not- mean long ass Wikipedia page Lou. <laughs> uh, his his spear always hit its mark, oh. and apparently 
he could call it back to his hand when when thrown. He's got a bunch of spears apparently, but this was uh, this was a, a cool one. Never missed. Could come back to his hand, much like one of the one of the big boys to come out of mythology. Yeah, yeah, he's a heavy hitter. Heavy hitter has a has a damned day named after him. Yeah, that's true. You might know him as Thor. That's right. A thunder god. Yep, and he's got a hammer named Meow Meow. <laughs> meow Meow. Mjolnir, the hammer of Thor, forged in the heart of a dying star. By one account. By one account. I think that's the Marvel account. <laughs> the uh, the one of the, the account that I read was that there was uh it was <laughs> Mjolnir is the result of a bet that Loki made with uh the the brothers Sindri and Broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he bet them, Loki bet them his own head that they couldn't make finer things than uh, some of the, the other, um, the sons of Evaldi who were dwarves who made, uh, which we're going to come to, for example, Gungner, mm-hmm. which is Odin's spear and some other things. So they set to working and one, one of the brothers job was to keep working the bellows on the forge and Loki transformed himself into a fly and bit. <laughs> Real hard bit one of these guys, Meow. thinking that he would stop using the bellows, that the heat would drive. Ow, he, uh, fly bit me! I can't bellows stop, anymore. Stop the, oh, the no. forging! But he was like, nope. Kept working. They made this amazing ring for Odin that every few days would turn into eight more rings, which <laughs> to me sounds like a giant problem. It's like a, it's like tribbles you wear on your hand. Um, it's great. No powers at all. That's right. <laughs> so then they, they threw the next thing in, which is a pig skin, and it becomes Gullenbursti, which was Freyr's boar. Nice. Uh, because, uh, so they throw the pig skin in. Oh, bellows, bellows. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fly. I'm going to bite you. Bite you so I'm hard. bite your neck. This but time. yeah, I'm going to bite your neck. And he still bellows. Thing comes out great. Third time's the charm. Sindri puts iron this time in to the forge like you do and once again don't you stop pumping them bellows this time loki's like okay i've got to i got to get this dealt with so i'm gonna bite you right. he bites him on the ice so hard it draws blood and this time finally he stops for just an instant to swat the fly away the result is mjolnir which was supposed to be a two-handed hammer yep but because of the forging process and then in a story no one doesn't doesn't no one understands how it's made it becomes a short-handled one-handed hammer yep and that is where it came from but and uh uh as a result uh so loki lost his bet when they went to claim his head he said whoa 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 what are you guys doing the bet was for my head but you guys are going to try to cut my neck off that wasn't on the table so he kind of lawyers his way out of it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're right. We can't cut your neck. So to teach him a lesson, they sewed his mouth shut. Yep. And then they gave it to Thor. Yep. That he could smite as hard as he ever wanted to. <laughs> Whosoever might be before him and the hammer would not fail. And if he threw it at anything, it would never miss and never fly so far as to not return to his hand. And if be desired, he might keep it in his sark. It was so small. Sark was a little bag. You can go hammer holster. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it's a flawed hammer. 
It's a it's a little bit of a whoopsie daisy. It's a Bob Ross. It's a happy accident. <laughs> It's your, it's your brother that gets born because there was Cinemax free some weekend. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> a lot of this, of, of course, we all uh, know and love Marvel. Some of us may be DC fans, but the, the don't, Marvel. Don't just stop. Don't try to downplay the fact that, uh, that I'm, I'm kind of surprised you don't have a Thor tattoo. Can't give blood if you have tattoos. Is that true? That's true. Do you give blood? No. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> but Mjolnir, you know, it, it, uh, it's a great instrument for calling and directing uh, lightning. And um, yep. also and, and for flight. And, for flying. and um, interesting fun fact. I'm looking. So in, in, in the podcast studio, there's a blown up cover of, uh, of the of Thor's introduction. Journey into mystery. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is quite clearly... A two-handed, long, uh, sledgehammer-style <laughs> Mjolnir. They he's, do. He's, they remedied that pretty quickly, though. He's using both ham- hands on that thing, and it's he's got plenty of haft left. It's true. He's choking up on the bat, and he's doing just fine. Versus um, Rockmen, it looks like. They're not sure where exactly the, the name comes from, although in Old Norse, they say that it means that which marks and pulverizes to dust, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Some people have tried to tie it to uh, Welsh and Russian words for lightning, which makes sense for the Thunder God. And it became uh, something of a, of a long-running symbol. The, the symbol of the, yeah. the Hammer of Thor is found archaeologically uh, all over the place. There was a Vikings wore them as necklaces. You can find it uh, inscribed in a number of locations. Tons of places. And also... Uh, Mjolnir, just one uh, one of uh, a few different hammers of, of the gods. Another is the Axe of Perun, mm-hmm. which is basically the exact same thing. Uh, also, pendants like it uh, everywhere, just the same thing. It's like an upside-down T. And Perun was the Slavic god of thunder and lightning. And then also the Ukonvasara, which is the same thing for the Finnish thunder god Uko. Sounds made up. Similar exactly pretty much to Thor's Mjolnir. Interesting how, how hammers and uh, thunder goes together, eh? I often heard that if it wasn't Zeus's thunderbolts that caused thunder and lightning back in the day, it was Hephaestus, the smith of the gods, working at his forge that would that would be the cause of thunder in Greek mythology. But anyway, hammer, lightning god, th- thunder, lightning god. Yep. Thor, great, awesome. Speaking of uh, Odin, of Odin's son, how about uh, <laughs> Odin himself? Yeah, how about Odin's spear, Gungnir? Gungnir. It's the spear of Odin, and the 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 shaft of which was supposed to be made from Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil, the world tree. It's the spear that uh, Odin will eventually attack Fenrir, the the wolf, with during Ragnarok, fashioned by dwarves. Uh, the same guys, son of Vivaldi, same mm-hmm. same dudes again in a in a scheme from Loki. Loki's just trying to screw with everybody, and he's giving everybody ultimate weapons out of it. Uh, it's described as being so well balanced it could strike any target, no matter the skill or strength of the wielder. That's what Ooh, I need. Yeah. <laughs> and what you said, being made uh, being made from the wood of Yggdrasil, that's in Wagner's. The ring does Nibelungen, the the <laughs> ring cycle. 
Nibblungen. Talking about the ride, the ride of the Valkyries. Wait, what are you doing right now? Yeah, right of right of that. All right, then let's take a trip south to sweet, sweet Spain. Talk about Tizona. The the sword of El Cid, which is Spanish for the Cid. Flora. Tizona is is great, and and El Cid. My Tizona done. Never gonna stop. Never gonna give it up. No more Barcelona. My 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 El Cid. This is fun. It it's a sword that frightens unworthy opponents, according to one poem of El Cid. The name translates to burning stick or firebrand. He's got another sword called La Colada as well, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, It's described as having a channel on each side with gilded lettering and in relief castles and lions and a small golden lion on each part of the the cross hilt. Cute! It also has a scabbard of red leather lined with green velvet. There's a lot of um, debate whether or not this was an actual real sword. And apparently there is one that's, that's... said to be the actual Tezona or what's the best thing, the closest thing to it anyway, that uh, was bought in 2007 and expected to, uh, to, to be laying in the same cathedral that houses the tomb of El Cid and his wife, Jimena. So it's not exactly on display, but it's thought that uh, maybe it, uh, it could still be out there if it's the real thing, which it probably isn't. But apparently it's it's just it scares people that aren't worthy enough to to fight the the wielder. <laughs> right. Real quick, El Cid was a a nobleman military leader in medieval Spain. This is around uh the late 11th century who fought the Moors. Uh he's a national hero of Castilla. <laughs> he was uh, he was just a a, a well-known military figure and legendary now and and his other sword Colada also has the power to frighten enemies that aren't worthy. Well, that's just redundant. Give the other I, sword to somebody else. Why can't you take Charlemagne's example and be like, hey, I got this really sweet sword. Hey, you know what friends do? They share their awesome super swords. That's right. Yeah. He, already, he already has a sword that makes people scared. What, are you going to be more scared? You could be more scared? You run I, faster? I imagine it's Double like... Double piss your pants? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... It's like, oh my god, look at that terrible sword. Oh, he dropped it. Let's get him. Oh my god, look at that terrible sword. <laughs> yeah. It's on oh. I think there was a there was one thought that it it one the at least Tizona could ca- catch fire and and be a flaming sword into the enemy. Uh that's just hearsay. But couldn't couldn't leave the old Spanish steel out of it. No way. We love Spanish steel. That's actually the name uh that I write erotic literature under. How about the Spear of Destiny? This is a big one. We talked about this earlier. This is the uh, this is the the spear. It's also called the uh, Spear of Longinus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the spear that pierced the side of Jesus while he was on the cross. Now, no one mentioned the name of the Roman soldier by name uh, until sometime later. There was the uh, the uh, Gospel of Nicodemus identified him as Longinus. And so this, uh, the, the spear of destiny, it's been the, 
uh, kind of crux of a lot of like, movies and video games and things like this. But yeah, it is it is a mythical or or not mythical. I don't know, but it's certainly a legendary weapon that's supposed to have extraordinary power. I mean, we were talking earlier about Durandal, you know, had uh, teeth and blood and and hair and right. and all these other uh, relics, you know, and Joyeuse was said to have incorporated the spirit itself into its pommel. You know, what better uh, Christian relic than this 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 the the spear that pierced the side of of Jesus? Right, bathed in the blood of the Lord. And some people even think that to possess the spear of destiny, the holy lance, in in some accounts. Mm-hmm. And, and by this time, I think it's just even the the head of it, right? The yeah. the metal uh, tip of the spear. There are a few locations on the world that claim to have it, and sure. some some that just claim to have a spear, a holy lance. That's not necessarily the you know, right? But even uh, possessing it, whoever possesses it is is destined to just march over the world. Well, it's is destined to use it to kill the antichrist. Yeah, well, in, yeah, in yeah. some accounts, yeah. But with possession of it comes this pretty much this ability to never be defeated. You, you, yeah. You are going to win all your battles. You can, you can do with it what, and and therefore, according to some people, the Third Reich went after it. Yep, it was a prime target for some of those in in the old Nazi occult. And, and you know, which it seems strange that something that was used to torture Jesus would be imbued with this great power. That's true, but there was a caveat. Mm. According to legend, losing the spear after you gained it would result in death. Got to keep that spear. Got to keep it. You get it, you keep it. Does that mean you're immortal while you have it? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know. Well, maybe. This is this is what comes with just touching on, on a lot of these cool yeah. things and, you know, quantity over quality, but... I'll tell you what the uh, uh, the dudes at Fairpoint did a fun episode on oh. all about Spear Destiny, one of their Check most it recent out. ones. I haven't listened to it. I will now. But yeah, there's uh, uh, there's the thought that uh, Nazis went after it. That's uh, it's a it's a holy relic that's out there that could maybe be floating around the circles of the NWO. Oh Jesus! <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, well, that's a fun one, and and uh, could even touch back on it someday in the near future yeah um and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up a little bit here again yeah not a comprehensive list we're just hitting a lot of highlights as really best, cool as stuff. best we possibly can so but you guys ever heard of uh silver bullets oh there you go that's yeah because that's a cool thing you've got a little gunpowder in there you got a little uh witchcraft almost you got a little thing going in there yeah from folklore uh, a bullet cast from silver has the ability to fail some of the worst evil evildoers and monsters that the world has seen, including werewolves, v- vampires. We just heard about that uh, in the in the most recent miscrypted. Yep, Beast of Jevudam, which was killed with silver bullets. I think it's just. Uh, I think the concept is in order to kill this thing, you need to to be willing to sacrifice something precious you know, melt down some of your silver, which, which is the jewelry that most people like the most prized possession for a lot of people was, was some silver. Like a few people had gold laying around, you know, but you could melt down your family's heirlooms and have enough bullets to shoot at a a wolfman. True. Also, there's the purity of silver. I think that was in there too, that, that helped. And I actually, they did an episode of Mythbusters, Mythbusters on it that, that, uh, 
they kind of decided lead bullets might be a little better than silver just in terms of mm. uh, penetration. They could they could penetrate a little farther and silver may, may come out a little slower. So I don't know. You know, some, some people may, may like uh, fancy <laughs> silver in right. their projectiles. But yeah, uh, silver bullets, uh, quite a, a, a mainstay in, in a lot of folklore beliefs for, yeah. for helping you out. Uh, and I think that'll do it. I believe so. I think that's that covers our our grazing, our, our, our quick recap. That'll be your legendary weapons for you in a deadly, yeah, blood-soaked nutshell. Ugh, <laughs> gross. Oh, you're gross. <laughs> oh. You know what else was uh, given to us by the gods to, to hold the world in thrall? By divine right, we were handed pawns! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say crisps. Mm-hmm. Potato chips. Nice. Pun me. Oh, S- Skin that pun wagon and see what happens. <laughs> I said pun down, boy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't know puns were in town. <laughs> Do you know there was, um, there was another ability to uh, Thor's hammer? Um, and one that they don't talk about much because it sort of drew upon, you know, like the fallibility of a God, you know, that's kind of a, kind of a weird area because it turned out that Thor had a hard time with his vision and possession of the hammer was the only thing that would, would correct it because he didn't obviously wear glasses. This predates glasses as a yeah. corrective measure. Uh, it turns out he was uh Mjolnir sighted. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. One of the um, effects of El Cid's swords, mm-hmm. because it frightened people so much, it gained a certain name uh, at first. But then, he, since he was a nobleman, he didn't want to be associated with such a, a, a base and lower class named sword. So he he ended up changing it. But originally, because it scared people so bad, they would pee their pants when they fled the battlefield. His sword was called Wizona. Uh, <laughs> nice. I like that. I need. I'm not going to do it, but there's there's some kind of pun in there that if you like swords named Colada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in ancient Britain, ancient. once people saw the power of uh, King Arthur's sword. Uh-huh. Even even after King Arthur's death, they realized that, wow, he was able to use force to really keep peace in the land, to enforce security upon people. Mm-hmm. And so some lords got together and they started um, a venture, a, a company, a defense firm, as it were, based on this idea. Uh, and it was called Excalibur. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boo. Yeah. Halliburton. Uh all right, I'll I'll end us out. I'll 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 round it here. Round it. I'll round it out into there was a, a medieval siege engine that actually if you if you scaled down the size of it, it was really handy uh to to ladies who would sit at home and and take the yarn out and, and make uh, articles of clothing. It really helped. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
uh, they'd get out their little mini mini chebu crochets. Chebu crochets. Yeah. You're a son of a bitch. <laughs> You're a horrible person. <laughs> Fortify your sweater. <laughs> Lay siege to your wardrobe. <laughs> oh, there it is. Chebu crochet. Them is the puns. Them's is puns. And now we are stabbed in the heart. That's right. With with the beautiful but deadly weapon of you, the listener. <laughs> you shut. I'm just trying to help you. You're such a ass. Yep, I'm the asshole. Listener man, <laughs> you are. <laughs> Right off the bat, let's uh, open the mailbag with Ty Coin Purse. Okay. Yeah. Ty Coin Purse. Hi, I'm Ty Coin Purse. (laughs) Uh, Do you need money? (laughs) I got you covered. Ty writes, after listening to every episode that you two have put out and laughing with and at you guys through each one, I've come up with my, uh, he's come up with his top favorite, uh, uh, top five favorite moments. They are in no particular order. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta get to King Arthur. Oh, there That's, you go. Yeah, well, he's he, come back. Yeah, he got paid on that one. The Tommy ghost stories, uh, oh, digging up the liver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tommy, you bit, you bit, you bit. Uh, we we stole that. We stole that bit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That's a little piece of community, but we still love it. <laughs> How about Tamped Tabitha? Oh no, <laughs> yeah, especially the s'mores pop tarts. <laughs> It's well, you got bit on that one. It is just as fun watching. No, because that's the one where you'd eat all of them. The whole oh, box. The, oh, the pop tarts. Pop tarts. Oh. Yeah. And there's there is something that is delightful, but then I feel terrible about having to watch him do it. It's the one thing I wish that we would film and put on a website somewhere so that people can <laughs> no. see Flora try to work through this. Oh God, I love watching people slowly get diabetes. <laughs> yes, or quickly, quickly, and finally, hey Flora. Yeah. I have some questions for you. Askings of me. I was just thinking, top of my head, <sighs> theoretically speaking, this is not the real question. You know, this is, uh, you know, just to see what would happen if I kicked you in the ding ding. <laughs> what if I kicked you in the ding ding? <laughs> okay, we don't have time for like a full remix on this. Um, <laughs> I uh, says, keep up the great work. Hopes to send some puns in. We hope to get your puns in because our puns aren't good enough. That's right. <laughs> Untie that coin purse and in, send them to us. In love with both of us forever. Yes. <sighs> Tie coin purse. Thanks, Thanks Ty. Thank you, Ty. Floor, what do you got? I got a quick shout out to, to Zach who sent in some show suggestions. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. How about the zombie master? From uh, his bunker beneath the what was once White House, <laughs> now the the slaughterhouse. The, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The brains house. <laughs> the brains house. Hits us with a pun. Just listen to your Robo Apocalypse episode and the Von Blumen probe. actually you were very close in 1980s berlin a group of very early robots took what what refuse they could find cans pipes and such and formed one of the first industrial bands called einstruse robotten there's a there's a german like industrial noise band called einstruse neubotten oh yeah wow yeah that was a deep cut deep cut i had a i had a roommate who had like the the little man kind of 
Einstrew's icon tattooed on his leg. He's a wow. big fan of them. It's the only reason I know that because that's a that is a deep cut. That's really well played, Zombie Master, and I'm glad I got it. Well done. Uh, heard from Tape Slinger. Oh, look out! <laughs> Southpaw out of <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> tape Slinger slinging us some tapes. I hope that Tape Slinger does work at like a small town VHS rental store. I mean, he's like they call me the Tape Slinger. <laughs> anyway, sorry, keep going. May not may maybe a girl. uh starting out with with us said we've probably already been called out on it but whatever but if not oh in the georgia guidestones episode a couple of different times we mentioned 2015 as the 25th anniversary oh yeah we're bad at math yes yeah we're bad at math. it's the 35th yep we're bad at math we're um bad at math we're we're not mathsmen no we're not we are we are the opposite of mathsmen yeah tape slinger says no big deal. Just made me feel younger for a few seconds and then soul crushingly older. Oh, <sighs> tape slinger is planning to send a donation, which is exciting, but kind of holding out for merchandise. Well, well, hold out. No further. We've got shirts. They're for sale. They, they, they are. They're, they're coming out. It's my goal this week to get the store set up. Oh, okay. That is my goal. That's a good goal. I, I've got to put out. A podcast and a half. It's but true. It's true. You got to find King Arthur. I've got to find King Arthur. But beyond <laughs> that, uh, so thank you, Tape Slinger. Thanks, Tape Slinger. Thanks for writing in, slinging us your tape. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yeah, it was weird. You're weird. And so, as we get to this uh, next slide in my presentation, uh, things to be aware of culturally in and around the island of Japan. Uh, new and uh, new airmen need to. <laughs> It's like he's not even trying anymore, ladies and gentlemen. As you can all see, laying in the tarmac outside the window, Mecha Johnzilla, where I think he passed out drunk. Get out of here! You used to scare the bejesus out of my wife, Mitsuko. Now look at yourself. Johnzilla writes. Uh, a really cool show suggestion right off the bat. So thank you for that. Also, how about some puns? Well, I'll take them. In jazz, there's a certain tone that one can use to get the feel of a chord progression. In the South, these are usually blues-based progressions and are known as the Georgia Guide Tones. Ooh. <laughs> John Zilla, why you gotta be so mean? <laughs> so hot all of a sudden. Also, I want oh, to say my. that the Rocky Horror Spoof song was Amazeballs. Aww. Seriously top-notch. Thank you. Thank you very much, Johnzilla. <laughs> Clean yourself up, man. <laughs> Rounding it up, Laura, what do you have? One more here. I believe we have a missive that has been delivered to, let's see, what does it say? The Hacienda? Okay. <laughs> Carritos, Sergio Garcia. <laughs> Hello, my friend. Oh, don't look. <laughs> I write. <laughs> I write. I write with exciting news. I know the news of the world is slow to reach uh, the hacienda. It is a quiet place at a different uh, tempo to the world. But I have word that we have just made contact with a self-replicating robot intelligence. Yeah. They have sent us only one message so far. What is this message? That is what. Me worry, 
It is calling itself the Alfred von Neumann probe. <laughs> it's funny because of Mad Magazine. Does the back of the probe fold to pick an undisclosed picture that you are all surprised by? <laughs> oh, Don Luke. This has caused quite some uh, confusion among our uh, Earth scientists working on their own nanobot technology. The robots don't seem to know how to work their own uh, technology and prefer to bake cookies. Scientists are quite unsure how to handle these nanobots. <laughs> they are tasty and delicious. That is all I have to relate at this time. Fleecy Dottis, don't look! Ah! Ha, 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 ha! I went the wrong way! <laughs> don't I, look, don't look, don't look! I forgot my phone charger! <laughs> Thank you, Don Luke. Yes. Uh, and gracias to everybody who writes in. Yes. As we as we slowly sort of get to you. Please continue to write in, though. We love it. Uh, we take your suggestions. We take your love. We take your hate. We take it all. Um, we turn it into a podcast. And, and, and out comes gold. Pyrite. Gold. So... What you can do is go to Facebook and like us. That helps yep. us. We're almost at six Hildos. Yeah. Uh, go to Twitter and follow us at blurry underscore photos. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to us. Blurry photos podcast. Go to audibletrial.com so slash blurry photos. Get your free audiobook download on us. Five stars on the iTunes. You can go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Any glaring review. We're if you almost please. up to a hundred reviews on iTunes. We're getting be close great. there. It'd be great if we could get there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's some sort of badge of honor and you can donate yeah, you can do all you can those always things. donate. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out that obviously we just did listener mail. There was a little bit of confusion. I think the way I post it, we are going to continue to do listener mail, but now we just have to like, instead of reading everything we get, we just have to pick a few. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sorry. And, and, and greatly condense yeah. some of those. It makes some of the me ones feel like get. a heel, but it's just, it's, well, it's a problem we've created with our own success that we couldn't have without you. So it's That's kind right. of it's kind of a it puts us in a sticky it's widget. A, it's, so we're going to try to fix it as best we can. Uh, but that's all we got, yeah. I think, for uh, this episode of Blurry Photos. And Woo. don't forget to check out the other cool Chicago podcast co-op podcasts. Here's one for you: uh, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith. Uh, yeah. go, go check that out if if uh, if you like uh, improv humor. Who doesn't? I met her and she was hilarious. She was a great individual. We mm-hmm. we loved uh, uh, Mary Beth. Great energy. Um, and uh, and that'll do it for for this episode. Yes, I have been David Flornier. <laughs> That's great. And I have been Dave. I'm the flying lion. Smash him! Smash him! Stecco. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go battle this Sumerian guy here. No, I'm just going to get my spear. It's a terrible idea because I'm going to smash you. Stop smashing me. Stop it. Stop smashing me. Stop. Bye.
people, I, I know it looks good, but let's get somebody from the audience to come up here and try it out. I want to prove to you that anybody can use this. Who wants to come on up here and, and try out the flight vision goggles? Oh, I do. The cra- you, oh, sir, I right do. there. You, come on up. Let's give him a hand, folks. <laughs> sir, what's your name? Um, hello. My, my name's Benjamin Swidlack. Well, hello, Benjamin. Thanks for coming up here. Now, Benjamin... It's my my honor. This is great. Are you an avid monster hunter? Well, you, you know, I'm 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 not professional. I, you know, whenever the wife's out of town, I'll I'll take a weekend to, to get out there and see, see what I can find. And Benjamin, have you ever been fooled into thinking that a cryptid you were looking at was in fact a sandhill crane? Well, I, I, I got, I'm not proud of it, but but I gotta say, yes, I've been fooled, and I think this is a product that could really help me. You're right there, Benjamin. Why don't you get these flight vision goggles on? Give it a test here. So, so if I had these on, I'd I'd know if a if a sandhill crane was around. Well, Benjamin, with this four part system, everybody in the studio audience would know if a sandhill crane was up to and including five hundred yards from here. Well, that, that's that's a real load off, cause I gotta tell you. I'm a sandhill crane. Oh, Get the jangler! Get the jangler! (laughs) Get the jangler!